Thank you, preacher. Uh, it's a joy to be here. Yes, my son, he pastors in Iowa. They just had uh, their eighth child, and uh, I told him, son, there are other ways to build the church. <laughs> but he's holding out for a television program. <laughs> but it is a joy to be here. I'm looking forward to the entire day together, and uh, don't, I want to get right into the message uh, so we can try to get out on time. And uh, so I have a lot of funny things to say. Just trust me, I'm hilarious, and let's get on with the message, all right? If you'll open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, as you find that in your Bible, I do want to also uh, add my thanks to the veterans who've served our country, and uh, we are um, greatly indebted. My dad is in heaven now. Uh, Held his funeral a year and a half ago. He was 91, uh, but Dad uh, was a, a Marine Corps hero in World War II. So we grew up. Being taught to love this country. And so I am grateful. Luke chapter 19, I want to look this morning at a, a familiar story probably to most of you. If you grew up going to church, you probably sung a Sunday school song that you'll recognize here in Luke chapter 19. Begin reading with verse 1. It says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. How many ever sung that Sunday school song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, all right? And that's from this passage of scripture right here. It says in verse 3, and he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if, any, uh, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Zacchaeus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he is also as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And here's the wonderful story of the salvation of Zacchaeus. I love to hear the testimonies of folks and how they got saved. And this is the story of this man Zacchaeus. Now we don't know a whole lot about Zacchaeus. Uh, we know a few things the Bible tells us. We know that Zacchaeus was little of stature, that is, he was short. Uh, we know that Zacchaeus was a, a publican. Now, now, that's not talking about publicans and Democrats, okay? Uh, he's just a publican. A publican was a tax collector for the Roman government. And uh, it was set up such that uh, there was like like regions that were divided up, almost like a franchise, and a chief publican was in charge of a region. 
he would hire other publicans to help him collect taxes. Uh, for example, uh, Matthew in, in the New Testament was also a publican. He was just a regular publican. Zacchaeus was a chief publican. Now, the chief publican then was responsible for getting those taxes collected. He was also known to cheat people out of their money because he would add fees on top of fees in order to pad his own pocket. Sound a little bit familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and the Bible tells us that, that Zacchaeus was a chief publican. He was a Jew. He's called a son of Abraham. And so this Jewish man who was a chief publican the scripture tells us he was rich. Now, nothing in that King James Bible is there by mistake. And the Lord tagged that on the end there saying, and he was rich. And there's a reason why the Lord wanted us to notice that, that he was rich. Because you, you stop and think about it. It tells us when Jesus was coming that day, no doubt there was, there was masses of people trying to get a, a touch of Jesus or to see Jesus. And, and Zacchaeus, it says, he ran before. He ran ahead of the crowd. He climbed up this old sycamore tree just so he, a rich man, could see Jesus. And you got to wonder in your mind, what would cause a rich man like that to lay aside all his dignity to climb up a dirty old tree just to see Jesus? I mean, no doubt Zacchaeus owned the finest of clothing. No doubt everybody knew where Zacchaeus' mansion was. No doubt that Zacchaeus rode in a chariot made by Mercedes. Uh, you'll study your Bible, you'll learn those things. <laughs> but he was rich. And what would cause a rich man to lay aside all his... Everybody knew who Zacchaeus was. And here he is climbing up a dirty old tree just to see Jesus. Well, I'm sure part of it was curiosity. I'm sure that Zacchaeus had heard about Matthew leaving his receipt of customs in the middle of the day, leaving his job to follow Jesus. I mean, he left his job, left everything to follow this man Jesus. I'm sure that Zacchaeus had heard about the blind man that everybody knew about would sit down in the corner and beg for a little bit to sustain life. And when Jesus came by and Jesus touched him, his sight was made whole. I'm sure that Zacchaeus had heard about that woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. And she went to every doctor she could find and nobody could help her. But when she touched the hem of the Lord's garment, she was made whole. I'm sure that he heard about that crazy maniac in Gadara that was running through the tombs naked and had, had chains put on him that he'd break loose and would cut himself with stones and and was full of devils. I'm sure he heard about when Jesus showed up with that maniac of Gadara that when he gave his heart to Jesus, he ended up sitting and clothed and in his right mind. I'm sure Zacchaeus had heard about Lazarus and that Lazarus had laid in the tomb for four days. And when Jesus came and said, roll the tomb back, and they said, but Lord, don't you understand, his body stinketh by now. And he said, roll the stone back. And when they did, Jesus called Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus's life came back into his body. I'm sure he'd heard all those stories. And he was curious. But folks, I'm sure it was a lot more than that. Because the Bible reminds us he was rich. Because you see, most people think if we just had money, we would be fulfilled in life. We'd be happy in life. 
Zacchaeus was rich, but he was empty. He was empty inside. He didn't have any fulfillment in his life. Can I remind you folks, we weren't made like any other creature that God made. When God made man in the Garden of Eden, he breathed into man the breath of life and he became a living soul. He didn't do that for the dog. Now, I know you love little Fluffy, but I'm sorry. <laughs> he made dogs different than he made human beings. He made us different than he made the whales. He made us different than he made the porpoise. He made us so that we could have the capacity to know him. And born within man, he breathed in him a living soul. And I'm telling you, folks, until you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and have that right relationship with God, until that happens, you will never have real fulfillment in life. You can search, by, search for it in riches. You can search for it in booze. You can search for it in drugs. You can search for it in immorality. All kinds of perversion. People are, are, are going nuts trying to find fulfillment and peace in their heart and life. And there's no other place except the Lord Jesus Christ. God made us to have that walk with Him. And Zacchaeus was rich, but empty. Empty. Years ago, I was pastoring in Michigan, and, and uh, I won't say anything about the great Wolverines, but anyway, and I just lost the whole crowd. <laughs> and I was pastoring in Michigan, and, and uh, uh, I, I felt like God was calling me into evangelism and resigned the church. We sold our home, and and we were looking to buy a fifth-wheel travel trailer to pull with us, uh, my wife and four children, and, and, uh, and, and that would be our home, and, and we'd just live out of that. And so somebody told me about uh, a guy in Richmond, Indiana, named Tom Raper. And said, so you need to go by his RV place. Tom loves the Lord, and uh, he's a good guy. He won't give you a, an RV, but he'll, he'll give you the best deal you can get. And so... We made contact, went down, met Tom Raper, very gracious and kind, and he gave us a wonderful deal. We ordered a fifth-wheel travel trailer. And I remember when, when Tom called us and said, your, your trailer will be ready to pick up on this date, on this Saturday. Well, I didn't have any meetings scheduled that weekend, so I said, that'll work perfect. We drove up to Indiana to get the uh, RV, and it was, a, it was blizzard condition out. I mean, snow and ice, and it was horrible. Just barely moving along on the freeway, you know. And we got up there, and, and Saturday morning, and I'm, I'm in Tom's office, and he said, man, I'm excited for you all. He said, now, it'll all be ready to get moved into this afternoon. So that afternoon, we were excited. I mean, we, we finally got into the fifth wheel, and we got our luggage unpacked, you know, and it was our new home, and kids were excited. My wife's excited, and... and uh, and, and, and Tom, before he left that evening, he said, now, Tim, he said, I want you to know that we close at 6 o'clock and nobody will be here again until Monday morning. We don't open on Sundays. So he said, if you have any kind of problem, he said, here's my personal phone number. Well, uh, he, he had already asked me if I would stay for the weekend. He said, if, you know, with this kind of conditions, the weather being so bad, I'd prefer you not try to pull that fifth wheel uh, in these conditions. I was thankful he said that. I had never pulled a fifth wheel in my life at that point. And sometimes things are of faith and a little bit of foolishness, you know. 
And so he said, we got plug-ins here. It won't cost you anything. Stay the weekend. Well, we got everything moved in, and, and uh, folks were, were closing down shop for the uh, Saturday evening, and they were heading out, and we were planning to go to church with Tom and his wife in the next Sunday morning, and, and uh, I'm trying to get the, the heater to work. And I'm not the most mechanically inclined, and I, I couldn't get the heater going, and I'm looking at the manual, I'm trying to figure it out, and I'm determined in my mind and my heart, I'm not calling Tom Raper. I mean, this guy's rich. He owned, owned 80 acres of side-by-side RVs, everything paid for, did everything, he'd, he never carried a note on anything. And he was rich. And I thought, you know, this is a good guy, he loves the Lord, no doubt there's been a lot of people try to take advantage of his kindness, I'm not calling him for nothing. And it's getting colder by the minute. And my wife and kids are huddled up together. <laughs> And I'm thinking, I'm not calling Tom Raper. But I am married. <laughs> so I called Tom Raper. <laughs> and I said, Brother Tom, I'm really sorry to bother you. I said, listen, I can't get this heater working. If you could maybe recommend a decent motel close by, you know, that's reasonable, that, and we'll just go there for the night. And, he said, uh, he said, Tim, listen, you and your wife and kids, come over here and stay the weekend. Stay with Suzanne and I. He said, we've never been able to have children. We love kids. And I said, Tom, I'm not going to do that to you. I said, just tell me a motel and we'll go. He said, no, really. He said, I'll be offended. He said, I, I said, but Tom, you don't understand. My wife, four kids, getting ready for church in the morning. It takes an act of Congress. <laughs> he said... He said, well, we've got five extra bedrooms and five extra bathrooms. Is that enough? I said, probably so. I sure didn't want to offend him. And so I said, okay, you know, and he gave me directions. We threw everything in our raggedy old suitcases, threw them in the back of the truck. We head over to this beautiful, beautiful subdivision. We go to where he tells us the address. We drive down this long driveway to the back of this mansion of a place. Tom's in the back waiting for us to get there. We get out of the truck. My wife, my four kids, my, our raggedy old suitcases look like the Beverly Hillbillies of fundamentalism. <laughs> We're walking into this mansion of the place. Uh, we walk in, and there are figurines everywhere. Beautiful. I mean, my wife's eyes are as big as saucers. Tom said, oh, yeah, Suzanne, she, she loves to go to these auctions and and by these, he, he said that one there was about 25 grand. I looked at my kids. <laughs> Life will be over as you've known it. <laughs> Tom said, don't worry about the kids. If they break something, we'll buy another one. He was rich. And I'll never forget. Before I left town, Monday morning, Tom brought me in his office. We talked a while, and he said, he said, Tim, would you do me a favor? I said, man, if there's something I could do for you, I'd be glad to. He said, you know, us independent Baptists, you know, we're, we're good about going into those lower-income neighborhoods. And, and I understand. He said, you know, a lot of times they're more willing to talk to somebody. But he said, would you once in a while, please? Just go into those rich neighborhoods. He said, you see, those are my people. 
And he said, and I'm telling you, they are as miserable in life. They are as empty in life. They are, they are having divorces right and left. They're addicted to drugs. They're messed up into to, to immorality and perversions. He said they are as, as, as empty in life as anybody you'll ever come across in the lowest income area that you can go to. And they need the Lord just like everybody else. And I've never forgotten that. My oldest son, when I was pastoring in Louisiana, my oldest son was managing a fitness gym. It's where I began my career in bodybuilding. <laughs> and he was managing a fitness gym, and he called me one day. He said, Dad, he said, I, I, I think there's a guy going to come to church Sunday. He said he'd been working out here. He came to, to work with Evangel High School football program, and that's a big high school football program in, in uh, northern Louisiana. And he said, uh, he said he used to play pro football. Uh, the church he's been going to, he's not happy with. He said, they don't take a stand on much. And, and so I told him, man, you need to come and hear my dad preach. And, and he said, uh, I think he's going to come Sunday. I said, well, did he, you know, was he just on a team or did he really play? <laughs> he said, no, he said he started. I said, do you remember his name? He said, yeah, Mark Gastineau. <laughs> I said, yeah, he started all right. He was a great football player. In fact, he held the most sacks in a season record for many years until Michael Strahan broke that record. And I said, really? I said, well, that'd be great. And he had played for the New York Jets. Mark did. And so Sunday morning, as for visitors, there was Mark Gastineau. He stood up. My name's Mark Gastineau from New York. And I said, Mark, good to have you here. I'm looking around my people. They didn't have a clue who he was. <laughs> but I knew who he was. And Mark Gastineau said to my son, he said, you know, Tim, he said, when I was playing in the NFL, I wasn't saved. And he said, I, I, I made, you know, all the big name in, in, in stardom in football. He said, I had so much money. He said, it was just ridiculous. I had the big house. He said, I had the fancy cars. He said, all the vice imaginable. He told my son, he said, Tim, I, I made so much money. He said, I cashed a bonus check one time. It was over six figures. I'd stuck it in a briefcase. And he said, I, I got on the plane to go to our next game. And he said, I stuck it in the overhead. I didn't even think about it. I had so much money, I walked off the plane and forgot about it. And every time I get on an airplane, I'm looking in the overhead. <laughs> <laughs> he said, but everybody knows big, tough Mark Gastineau, you know, superstar. Big, rough, tough guy. He said, but Tim, nobody knew that I'd go home at night to that big empty house and I'd crawl in bed and I'd, I'd, I would weep until I'd fall asleep because my life meant nothing. You know, we got a bunch of young people today that are enamored with the Hollywood crowd. Have you ever noticed that they all have therapists? It's a reality. Because the fame and the money and the fortune, that never adds fulfillment in life. The only thing that can give that fulfillment, God made us with that spot in our heart. It can only be filled by Him. It can only be filled with a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm asking you this morning, have you ever come to the place you recognize you were a sinner deserving of hell, but somebody showed you from the Bible there was a Savior that paid the price for you, would forgive you if you'd come to Him and receive Him? Are you sure that's settled? Amazing, not only do we see that his life was empty, but also want you to see 
Thank God there was a Savior that cared. And the Bible tells us here uh, the reason Jesus was there that day. In verse 10 it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the whole context of that verse. He was coming through Jericho that day, not just on a lollygag that day. He was coming through because he knew Zacchaeus would be up that tree in need of him. Can you imagine when he looked up and called him by name? That must have shocked Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down. Must have shocked Mrs. Zacchaeus when Zacchaeus brought the Son of God home. (laughs) But can I tell you this morning, that same Savior knows where you're at, and He knows your address, and He knows the burdens you have, and He knows everything that you're going through, and would you think that nobody in the whole world understands? I'm telling you, we've got a Savior that knows everything. And not only knows everything, but He loves you. And He cares about you. And he, He's here today offering Himself to you. How foolish we look for answers everywhere else. But the one who created us that knows how to make our lives fulfilled. He cares this morning. It's amazing you know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden that day and, 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 and the Bible tells us that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day up to that point. And when they sinned, the Bible says they went and hid themselves. And it wasn't Adam that came looking for the Lord the next day. It was God that came looking for Adam and said, Adam, where art thou? Well, he knew where Adam was, but you can't get saved till you admit where you're at. In Luke chapter 15, it gives us those three stories that the Lord tells about the, 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 the shepherd that had the 90 and 90 left to go find the one sheep that was lost. And when he brought him back on his shoulders, the Bible says there was great rejoicing. And it tells us about that woman that lost the coin and she sweeps through the whole house just to find that one lost coin. And when she found it, it says there was great rejoicing. And then that lost son, that prodigal that went and wasted his his substance on riotous living. But when he came back and the father met him and and ran off of the porch to meet him and threw his arms around him. And he called back and said, kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and a robe on him. And he said, we're going to have us a party. This my son was lost, but he's found. He was dead, but he's alive. And they began to be merry. And the Lord's letting us know the thing that rejoices his heart more than anything is when somebody who's lost in their sin comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you far more than any preacher can tell you this morning. There was a young preacher got up to begin his message and just as he did, the doors opened in the back and there was an older gentleman walked in. The preacher stopped and he said, Folks, listen, an old friend just walked in and I want you folks to meet him. So just before I get more into the message, I want him to come up and just share a quick word with you. An older man came up and he stood behind the pulpit and he said, I'll I'll just tell you a real quick story. He said, years ago there was a father that took his boy out fishing. The boy asked the neighbor boy to go with him. The dad and the boy were faithful in church. They knew the Lord as their Savior. The neighbor boy was a lost boy. While they were fishing, having a good time, all of a sudden a storm hit them very quickly. It flipped over the boat. The father grabbed onto the boat to stay afloat. But the two boys began to drift apart in the heavy 
waves that were crashing over them. And as he told the story, there was a couple of young men sitting on the front like this, listening very intently. He said, you know, that father had to make a quick decision. He had one life preserver. He could throw it to his boy that he knew if his boy drowned, he was saved. He was going to spend eternity in heaven. He'd see him again one day. And if the neighborhood uh, neighbor boy drowned, he was lost. He'd go to hell forever. So he had to make a quick decision. And he picked up that life preserver and he slung it to the neighbor boy and watched his own son go under the waves and drown. And he said, I'll tell you that story just to let you know we have a God who so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he went and he sat down. After the service was over, pastor standing at the back, the older gentleman standing next to him. The teenage boys that were sitting here came back and they shook the pastor's hand. They shook the older man's hand and they said to him, wonderful story you told, just not very realistic. He said, why would you say that? They said, well, no man's really going to let their own son drown and hoping that a neighbor boy would get saved one day. Oh, he said, boys, it not only is realistic, it's a true story. He said, you see, I was that father. And your pastor was that neighbor boy. And I tell you that to tell you this. No preacher can ever tell you how much our God loves you this morning. And thank God in our story, we find a Savior that cared. He knew where Paul was on the Damascus Road that day. He knew where that maniac was in Gadara. He knew where, that, where Zacchaeus was up the tree that day. And he knows where you are today as well. And then I want you to see this quickly. It says, and they received, when, when Zacchaeus came down, it says in verse 6, he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully because nobody ever receives him sorrowfully. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to be saved. Amen. The old devil makes you think you're going to lose everything. No, you're going to gain everything. Amen. That's a lie of Satan. And I'm going to tell you, us Baptists need to find an old-fashioned altar and fall on our face and ask God to forgive us for losing the joy of our salvation. That's we walk around griping and complaining like God isn't God. I don't know what's going to happen in this election, but I want to tell you something. I know that God's God. And He's not going to fail me. And regardless of what I have to live with, He's going to be faithful to me. Man, well, to have the joy of the Lord. My dad used to say, I see so many Baptists walking around with their face hanging down so long, looks like they could eat corn on the cob through a picket fence. <laughs> And what a sad advertisement it is to a world that needs the Lord. You lost the joy of your salvation. You got a testimony of His goodness. I need to wrap it up. I want you to notice one other thing and I'm done. You see there in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, I give half my goods, I give to the poor. What? Is that Zacchaeus? I mean, that's a guy that didn't mind ripping off his own brethren. So he could get rich. And now he's ready to give it whatever it takes. A change took place. And I want to tell you something. When the Lord Jesus saves you, a change takes place. It doesn't make you super Christian overnight. But I want to tell you, there's something that happens in your hearts that, that's different. Amen. The Spirit of God can't move within there without you having a different look at things, a different attitude towards things, a different desire for things. It makes a difference. 
My dear friend, James Brady, your pastor's met Brother Brady. James grew up in Baton Rouge. James is the strongest man I've ever personally met, just normal brute strength. James is a Cajun from Baton Rouge. Cajun people are not normal people. And James grew up with his daddy being made fun of because his daddy had had polio as a kid and he had a withered leg and he was small of stature. So James said, all my life I grew up, kids make fun of my dad, I'd whip him. He said, I just in a fight every day. He said, it never bothered me. James was a young teenager. He got in a fight on the street. He knocked a man out, jumped on him, started smashing his head in the ground. There was little boys standing around and said, are you going to kill that man? He said, it was like the first time his conscience woke up. He realized, man, I'm about to kill this man. And just shortly after that, somebody witnessed to James and he got saved. And James, when he got saved, I mean, he was so excited, he just wanted to tell everybody about it. And he started witnessing to guys at school and everything, football players he was playing ball with. And, and a boy at school spit in his face. Everybody backed off. They knew James's reputation. They knew that James could hurt people real easily. James gathered himself. He went, got in his car. He drove to his pastor's office. Pastor said, open the door. James opened the door. The pastor looked at him and said, James, what are you doing out of school? He said, preacher, I need some help real quick. He said, you know, I've been telling everybody about being saved. I've been witnessing to everybody. He said, oh, I know everybody's talking about it. He said, but preacher, I just witnessed to a boy at school. He spit in my face. He said, normally I'd have beat the dog out of him by now. He said, but I need to know what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. His pastor said to him, James, that boy needs Jesus just like you needed Jesus. He said, okay. He left there. That weekend there was a party going on at a, a teenager's house. The parents were going to be gone. James knew the boy would be there. He drove up to the party. He got out. They peeked out the blinds. They saw it was James. They shut the music off. Everybody got nervous. They opened the door a little bit and said, what do you want, James? He pushed the door on open. He walked in. That boy was sitting on the couch. He walked over to that boy. Everybody thought it's going to be over. And James pulled out from behind his back a brand-new Bible. And he said, I just want you to know the Lord Jesus saved me and forgave me. And he's changed my heart, and I want you to know I love you, and I don't want you to go to hell. And I went out and bought you a new Bible, and he handed him the Bible, and he turned around and left. About two weeks later, James got a phone call. It was his pastor. He said, James, do you know a boy by the name of, name's the boy. James said, oh, preacher, that was a boy I was going to beat the dog out of. He said, well, he said, he just left my office. He showed up and said, I need to know the God of James Brady. There was a change in James. Has anybody seen Jesus in you lately? Has anybody desired your God because of your testimony? They say of Zacchaeus that later on he pastored a church in Caesarea. A change took place. People in your neighborhood see that change? In your family, do they see that change? At work, do they see that change? Amazing testimony of what the grace of God did in the life of Zacchaeus. Let's bow our heads for prayer.
Our Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for your precious word. Father, we need you, Lord. I don't know everybody here, Lord. I don't know anybody's particular needs, but you know every need. 